This episode is sponsored by Amazon Original Podcast, Uncommon Ground with Van Jones. In this new show, Van explores topics that impact us all, from climate change to racial inequality, the state of our democracy to quality education access for all. Listen to Uncommon Ground on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, thanks to BetterHelp. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. Start living a better life today. And thanks to Truebill. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. And Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Go right now, truebill.com slash dreamjob. It could save you hundreds a year. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So today I'm doing a pop-up workshop. It's called The Happiness Habit. And it's all about how do you manifest greater levels of well-being and peace and joy? And how does that actually lead you to abundance? This is one of my favorite topics. It's going to be so good. I hope to see you there. You can sign up at kathyheller.com slash happy. And if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I missed it. It already happened. Well, you could still get the replay. So just go to kathyheller.com slash happy and we'll send it to you. So today I'm excited because the amazing Tanya Dalton is joining us. She's a best-selling author, speaker, business coach, productivity expert, growth strategist for female leaders, and so much more. And she's also the founder and CEO of Inkwell Press Productivity Co., a multi-million dollar company that provides planners to help you prioritize what matters most without burning yourself out. I'm a big fan of her book, The Joy of Missing Out. It's all about how you can do less to be more productive and focus on the things you actually want to do. And she just came out with a new book last week. It's called On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success. This book gives you a roadmap, exercises, and actionable strategies to move forward with confidence, turn obstacles into opportunities, and rise up to become the best version of yourself. We're going to dive into some of the major lessons from both of her books because they're both great reads. So go get yourself a copy. Also, listen to Tanya's awesome podcast, The Intentional Advantage Podcast, where she helps you reclaim your time and shares productivity tips that you can use right away in your work and personal life. Some of her guests are people that I know you love, like Patrice Washington and Donald Miller, Ali Kazaza, Greg McEwen, Gay Hendricks, so many more good people. So definitely go check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Tanya has so much wisdom to share with all of you, and I love that she's empowering other women to reclaim their life and lean into what they really love without all the guilt, because we deserve to go and do the things that we want and live a life that feels good. So You're going to learn so much from her today, and I can't wait to get into it. Without further ado, please welcome the wonderful Tanya Dalton. Tanya, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. So excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I was just telling you before we hit record that I actually went and bought your book about, I don't know, two years ago, um, your other book, not the new one that we're going to talk about also, but I don't usually do that, but I had to do it because what you talk about is so important and I can't wait to dive into that. Before we dive into both of the books and the podcast, can you just tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got here to this top of the summit where you can see this view that you're now helping other people to climb, to be able to have this more peaceful, expansive life? It's definitely a journey with lots of twists and turns and some roadblocks and some obstacles and all kinds of fun stuff. So, you know, I like to say that I started off life thinking I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. I had my, it was a teacher. And then I had my son, Jack, who is now 18. So he is no longer a baby. He's now bigger than me. Six foot I can't three. believe you have an 18 year old. You don't look it. <laughs> I will receive that. Thank you. I will take that. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I thought I'd be a stay at home mom. And I started off, you know, 
being a stay-at-home mom, but I really wanted to do something else because I was feeling really pulled to, to try something else. So I started a business for $50 and it was just really to keep myself entertained, not really, you know, anything serious. And uh, I, at the time I was selling to friends, maybe friends of friends, but no website, nothing fancy like that. I love these. I started a business for $50. What does that actually mean? <laughs> Well, let me back up and tell you that I started the company because at the time, and this will really date me, at the time I would go out without my kids occasionally and people would say, oh, let me see pictures of your kids. And we didn't have phones that we carried around in our back pockets. And I'd be like, listen, you are lucky I showered today. I don't have pictures of my children. (laughs) So I decided I wanted to come up with a way to have pictures of my kids all the time with me. So I took pictures of them and I embedded them into some jewelry. So I created photo jewelry and people loved it. Like my friends loved the idea. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do this, you know. And I love that. Went off I love that that's how you started. Friends. That's so special. Yeah. So it started out of my own need. So I had a conversation with my husband and he was doing um, international marketing for a Fortune 500 company at the time. He would buy a ticket called the Around the World Ticket, where he would literally leave our home in Dallas, Texas, fly all the way around the planet, come back the other side, back home to us. So he'd be gone for like three or four weeks at a time. That is just fascinating. I've never heard of that before. Yes. And then I'm like, A, he would do it. And B, it only takes three to four weeks to get around the world. That must be exhausting. It was exhausting. So I had a conversation with him one evening. We would talk in the morning and in the evening as one of us was going to bed, the other one was waking up for our day. And so I had a conversation with him one day when he's on the other side of the planet. And I was telling him all the things that Kate was doing that day and how Jack had laughed and all these things. And he got really, really quiet, really, really quiet. And I said, you know, are you okay? What's wrong? And he said, I'm missing everything. I'm missing all the moments. I'm missing all the milestones. I'm missing all the time with you and the kids. And I was like, no, 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 you're not. You're not. It's fine. We love it when you come home, but it really pulled on him. I had no idea. So I literally hang up the phone and on the kitchen, on the wall, again, dating myself there on the wall. And I stand in my bright yellow kitchen in Dallas, Texas. And I made a really bold decision that day. I decided I was going to grow my little teeny tiny side business And I was going to grow it to the point where I could absorb his MBA income and he could come work alongside of me. We would have a lifestyle that really allowed us that freedom to have him at home and he wouldn't have to travel and do those things. He could just be home with us. Anya, I want to kiss you. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, what's crazy is that at the time I had zero business experience, like never even took a course in college on business, you know, no website, like I said, really small business. And yet I had this fire inside of me that that was really what I wanted, what I now call a cathedral for me. That's what I talk about in my new book. This idea that I really wanted to create this lifestyle for us. And so I sat down that night and I mapped out what would this look like? How would I make that happen? What would this look like? And within about a year, I was able to make that goal a reality. And he was able to leave corporate America behind, come and work alongside of me. And we have been working basically across the desk from each other since 2009 at this point, which is fabulous and amazing. And it allowed us that freedom that we wanted. And then we had location freedom. If, you know, we work for ourselves, we can live anywhere we want to live. So we moved from Dallas, Texas, moved to Asheville, North Carolina in the mountains. And I did that in 2012. And then in 2013, I looked at my husband and I said, oh, I love you. 
I love working with you, but I don't love what we're doing. I just didn't feel like it fulfilled me. It didn't make the impact on the world that I really wanted to make. What were you guys doing? What were you doing mostly day to day? So I was doing the photo jewelry business. I was selling wholesale to photography studios all over the world. They would take pictures of their clients. I would sell to them, which they would then sell to their clients. And it wasn't creative enough for me, to be honest with you, especially because it's so creative, but I understand after a while, it was kind of like the same thing over and over. Yeah. Well, when you're selling wholesale too, it's not like you can change your lines really often because people are depending on you to have the same products. And I just didn't feel like at the end of the day, I wasn't fulfilled by what it was doing for people. Like I wanted to make a difference. Keeping in mind, I used to be a teacher. Like that's the kind of person I am where it's like, you wanted the why in the business itself to feel like you were selling something that was a much bigger purposeful story than the jewelry. Yes. It had to serve a much bigger why. And it just didn't have the the original why of getting my husband to leave corporate America. Yes. But the long-term why just wasn't there. Sure. And so, you know, at the time he says, okay, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Oh my God. I have no idea. What if there is nothing else out there for me? So I start Googling and I start searching for like, how do I figure out, you know, what I want to do? And everything says to me, like, this is the first thing that comes up every time, write down your purpose. And I'm like, no, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what it is I want to do. I felt really, really lost. And so I spent some time really coming up with some exercises and activities for myself to really figure out what is it I want to do? What's really tied to my bigger purpose or my calling. And out of that, there were three things. I really loved empowering women. I loved working with women. I was working with some small business owner, women, helping them grow their businesses. I love productivity. That's what allowed me to grow my business the way that I did to absorb my husband's MBA. And then I love teaching. Once a teacher, always a teacher. So here I have three very unrelated things that seem totally disconnected, but I drew a thread to connect them. And that was Inkwell Press Productivity Co., a productivity company focused on empowering women with not just tools, but also services, you know, having videos to walk them through how they can be more productive and all of those things. So uh, we ended up closing up uh, the original business, went without income which was really scary because that's our sole income for our family. It paid the bills, oh it God. paid the mortgage, so brave. it fed my kids. Yeah, my, me and my kids do like to eat meals. They love food. So it was a little bit frightening, but I knew that this was really a bigger why than what I've been doing. There was all that comfort and all that safety with, I was making good money. It looked successful on the outside, but it wasn't fulfilling to me. Sure. So we closed up that business, went several months without income, I looked at my husband about a week before we launched Inkwell Press and I said, this is either going to be amazing or we're going to be living in our car under a bridge. (laughs) Not sure which. Launched had about 500 orders on launch day and the company grew to seven figures in less than 18 months and just scaled and grew. And then it became one of these things where We were approached by a much bigger corporation to come and offer our products in Office Depot, Office Max, Barnes & Noble. We started going into retail shops. And then I could really focus in on the other part of what I wanted to do, which was the education side with the podcasts, with, you know, courses. And then now, of course, with the books. So it's been a very twisted and turned out for you. (laughs) That's amazing. It's truly, truly so awesome to hear all of that. 
I love that your initial offer also combined products because you had come from a product space, but now they were products that were really juicy, right? They were helping people with productivity. What were those first products when you said you had 500 orders? What were those first products? So we sold uh, all kinds of planners, weekly planners, daily planners, meal planners, fitness planners, those kinds of things. Um, And then with the planners, I offered these uh, setup videos to walk them through, not just how to set up the planners, but really how are you using your time? Are you really prioritizing and spending your time in the way that matters to you? So it was really at the time, nobody else was doing anything like that. They were really focused on goal setting and helping people achieve their goals. And they had this whole coaching aspect to them that just was included for free because I just wanted to help people. And so I think because it was so different and unique, it really stood out in the marketplace, which is why it just you know took off. Yeah. And I want everyone to hear that because as we say on this show quite often, business is really about intimacy and people will pay $12 for a Paul Simon album, but they'll pay $180 to go to the concert. And what you provided was not just the concrete planner, but the fact that you knew to do that, which nobody else was doing, it created this bigger depth to the whole, to the whole process. So we should talk about your books because there's two juicy ones. The first book of yours that I bought was the joy of missing out. Let's talk about why you wrote that book. Mm, I wrote that book because I was working with a lot of women, really helping women and I would, I would feel like I would go and I would talk to these women and I would say like, you know, how are you doing? How's life? How's your family? How's your business? All these questions. And I would get the answer, the same answer again and again. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by my own to-do list. I'm overwhelmed by all the things I have to do. And, you know, one of my big things that I say all the time is overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. It's like this swirling tornado around us and we just don't know where to turn and we feel overwhelmed by it. So I really wanted to create a productivity system that was designed with women in mind and really talk to women and the way that we think, the way that we move through our days, because it is very different. There's very different pulls on us than there are for men. Now, men do read the book and they they love my products as well, but I really focus in on women because it is different. We're a lot of times we're the CEO of our office and the CEO of our home. We take off one hat, we put on the other hat and society kind of adds that pressure to us. So what's interesting is this, when I brought my book to market to, you know, I wrote the proposal and we ended up getting so many offers on it because this is what all the publishing houses told me. There has not been a book written for women by a woman on productivity. Like all the productivity people are men. And it's fascinating to me that here are women who, I mean, we're doing all these incredible things and no one has written a book for us. So when I wrote the book, I wanted it to be like a love letter for women of it's okay. And I get how your brain works. I understand the pressures that you feel. How do we make it so that your days feel more meaningful? How do we, how do we really create structure to your days and your weeks? So you don't feel like you're wearing yourself out. I really believe that we are taught to chase busy that we, we chase down a to-do list that's three miles too long. We check a thousand things off of it. We fall into bed at night and you know what we think to ourselves? Oh, why didn't I get more done? I'm the worst. I should have done this. And I didn't, we fixate on all the things we didn't do well. And 
Instead, what I really want women to do, and this is why I create these systems, is I want women to go through their day doing things that matter most to them so that when they go to bed, they go, today felt amazing. Wow, this was incredible. I'm amazing. I just don't think we go to bed at night often enough and feel that way. I think that's a good question for the listeners. Like, when's the last time you went to bed at night and felt like you had done enough? Because enough is like a bucket with a hole in it. It's never filled up. So if we choose to do fewer things that matter more to us, that are truly tied to our priorities, that's when we feel satisfied. That's when we feel successful. And ultimately, everything I create, everything I do is for that so that women will feel fulfilled by what they do. Yeah, that's really important. I was just feeling this this week, and I'm always feeling this, but this week I was walking downstairs with my five-year-old and I decided to walk downstairs with her and hold her hand, but actually walk down the stairs with her. What Mm -hmm. I mean is normally when I'm walking down the stairs with her, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do when I get downstairs, I'm going to make my coffee. I'm going to pack her lunch. I got to get this meeting set up. Oh, okay. I have to make sure that this zoom link gets sent. And I'm not actually ever where I am because I'm always thinking about the future, like future tripping. Right. Yep. And Mm -hmm. then what happens is you miss that gorgeous moon, right? Last night, my daughter yes. her school has to draw the moon every day. And oh, so it's happy. a gorgeous full moon too. I'm yeah. so happy about this assignment because I'm stopping to look at the moon and it sounds so cliche and the stakes are so high because no one I know is really enjoying those moments mm-hmm. because there's always something that has to get done. That's not yet done. And if it could just get done, I could be happy. I could actually be at peace. I could actually feel fulfilled. But what happens when you realize, oh, there's always something else. So I love the joy of missing out. I love what you say there. I mean, as as a mom who just sent her son off to college, talk about tears, talk about the most bittersweet moment where it's like so happy, so proud, so sad, so just every emotion. (laughs) It is all of that culmination. Like I feel like, when you're in the trenches, especially of motherhood, where you're covered in boogers and vomit and God yeah. knows what, right? And you're just like, I just want to go to the bathroom by myself. Just let me go. Right? Right. And it feels so hard and we're not enjoying the moments. It was so nice when I dropped my son at college. This is, you know, the moment you think about the day they're born, you think about this, the day they go to preschool, you think of it, the day they go to elementary school, you think of it, the first day they go to high school. And there I am dropping him off at college. We're in front of his dorm. And I'm hugging and I'm doing my best just to hold it together, right? Like I'm just like, hold it together till we get in the car, giving him a hug, really being excited for him, but so sad for me. And then he turns and he walks into the dorm and he doesn't look back. And that made me so proud that he was so confident that he was so ready that that's what everything I had done had led us to. And he didn't look back, not because he didn't miss us or love us because we got text messages and all that kind of stuff. But it was like, honestly, he stepped forward into adulthood with confidence. And isn't that what I wanted all along? And having all those moments leading up to that, it really is this like, like, I want to give that gift to moms who are in the trenches right now. Like, there's going to be a moment where you just feel like we did it. You're going to get there. But it's it's tough. It is. And you got to try to enjoy it, but it's hard when you get boogers and vomit all over you. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. It's such a beautiful moment. Thank you for taking us there. I can't imagine how, like you said, bitter and sweet at the same time. 
In the book, you talk about identifying and getting clear on like, what are the priorities? And I think that that's such a good one because sometimes Mm -hmm. we're just like making everything matter equally. And then it's really hard to get, it's hard to get everything done. How do you clarify what actually is the priority? Oh, I love this question because people always say, well, how do you prioritize when everything's a priority? And you're like, everything is not a priority, right? It really is centering in on what I call your North Star. That's what one of the things we get into in the joy of missing out, your your mission, your vision, your core values. It's, it's not just for business. It's also for you. It creates this guiding light for who you are and what is most important. And I feel like, you know, one of the true gifts that we've been given over the course of the last 18 months or so with COVID is we're getting a lot more clarity on what's most important to us. If there's a silver lining here, and, and there is, that is that is it, that really a lot of times we don't know what to throw overboard until our ship is sinking. And when the pandemic hit, all of a sudden everybody's ships are sinking, right? And you're like, well, I don't need this. I don't need to do that. I need to stop doing these things. And we started questioning more. Why am I doing these things? Why am I saying yes to these things? Why am I working in this way? And those are beautiful questions for us to be asking ourselves because that means let's make some shifts, let's make some changes and let's really put front and center what is truly most important to us. I think for most of us, we'll say family is one of the top priorities, but then as we're going down the steps or as you know, I talk about this in The Joy of Missing Out, rushing into the grocery store, I'm two steps ahead of my kids. I'm not slowing down to really spend the time with them, right? So really taking the time to laser in, and I have some exercises and activities that we get into in the book to really help you clarify that. Who is it I want to be? And what does that life look like for me? Because the thing is, is we look around. I talk about this in Joy of Missing Out and On Purpose. We look around and we look for our metrics of success by what everybody else is doing. She's doing this, so I need to do this. Or this woman over here is killing it, so I should do these things. When it's like, wait, what matters to you? What is most important to you? Let's create systems around that because that's how you go to bed satisfied. That's how you go to bed successful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I love that you just mentioned your other book because I want to talk about it right now, which is the new book on purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success. You had already written a great book. So what made you want to write this? What did you feel you just had to say that women just had to hear that was different from the first book? Yeah, well, it's funny because I wrote The Joy of Missing Out. It was named a top 10 business book of the year, which was crazy because it's not even a book purely about business. It's about life, which was fabulous. So HarperCollins said, you know, let we want to do a second book. What do we want to do? And so I said, well, let's do goal setting. Let's talk. Let's do a book on goal setting. I could talk about goal setting all day long. I've taught thousands of women how to set and achieve goals. So they said, great. So I sat down in February of 2020, I mapped it all out. I created this like beautiful outline of everything I was going to do and when my writing schedule was going to look like, because I was going to make it really easy for myself. February, 2020, that's what I do. And then March happens and suddenly all those plans go out the window. curveball in there. Slight curveball. Yeah. I'm suddenly like filling out PPP paperwork for my business, trying to make my team feel at ease, homeschooling my children, doing all these like shifts and changes. So the outline had to go to the side and there was no, there was no way I could write. And then April, no way I could write. 
May, no way I can write. And what started to happen was when I sat down finally in like June to write, which could have, you know, I could have said, wow, I'm really behind schedule. But what happened was all that time in between, I was watching all these women asking those questions we just talked about. Like, why am I doing the things I'm doing? Is this what there is to life? Is there more to life? What have I been put here to do? And I feel like there was so much clarity in the questioning that happened with that. And so when I sat down to write the book, the book that started coming out of me was not the goal setting book that I thought it was going to be. It totally evolved and changed. And I realized goals are not the goal. Goals are the vehicle to get to the extraordinary life. They're how you can get to that extraordinary life, but they're not the end all be all. I, I think we think to ourselves, once I achieve X, I'll do this, or I'll be happy once I lose the 15 pounds or when I do, you know, when I get this promotion or when I start my own business or I get to this level of revenue and then it doesn't happen. And we wonder why we're not satisfied. And it's because we're just setting goals, first of all, willy nilly. We're setting them because we're looking at other people's metrics of success and we're not tying them to something bigger, a bigger calling, a bigger purpose for ourselves. And so when I sat down to write, I started really following the rabbit trails, chasing down what my intuition was telling me that really we needed to lean into. And the book became so much more. So we do talk about goal setting in the book. It's definitely a part of it, but it's, it's part of the action of how we achieve the goals, not what we want our life to look like. So that's really, that's awesome. it was an evolution. It was kind of like a big blessing, right? Like COVID gave you oh, something yeah. so much deeper to say that was in you all along. Cause since I'm listening to your story, it really keeps coming back to why am I doing this? Why, what's the mm-hmm. ultimate reason? What's the purpose? So in the book, there's four sections, projection, action, alteration, and reflection. Let's talk about those four pieces. Why those four pieces? What are those four pieces about? Yeah, well, each one answers a different question for us. Uh, Reflection is where we begin. And reflection answers the question of why. Why am I doing the things I'm doing? Why have I made the choices that I've made? Why is it that I want the things I want? Kind of like taking an audit of where you are. Just kind of like looking at it. Okay, what is actually here? Yeah, exactly. Like, why is it I want the things that I want? And then we get to projection, which is the next step. And that answers what? Okay, now I know my why. What is it I want? What does this actually look like? What does this look like for me? And then we get into action, which is, okay, now I know what I want. I know why I want it, but how how am I going to do this? How am I going to break down these goals? How am I going to really look at this big, beautiful vision I want for my life and break it down so it makes sense so I can do action today instead of getting overwhelmed? And then the last section is alteration, which answers that question, what if? What if life happens? Which means, what if we get off track? What if what if we're throwing a curveball? What if there's obstacles in our path? How do we adjust and change our route to either reroute back to where we want to go or change the route altogether? So each one is designed really intentionally to build off the last. So really answering why, what, how, and what if. I love this conversation, but before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsors. There's been so many times when I sign up for a free trial or forget to cancel something, and then I end up spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. If this sounds like you, then you should check out Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, that you don't want, or you simply forgot about. You can see all your subscriptions in one place, keep the ones you want, and cancel the ones you don't right from the app. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions that you don't have to. No talking to humans and no difficult conversations. Truebill has over 2 million users, and on average, people are saving thousands a year with Truebill. 
One of their users, Becca, she said, hands down the best financial app I discovered. In my first week, I opened up $187 in unused reoccurring subscriptions. I'm obsessed. I never want to manage finances without Truebill again. I tend to like to try out different subscription services for my business, but I'm not great at remembering. And then I forgot to cancel them. So I used Truebill and it was really easy to cancel those unused subscriptions. I think I ended up saving a few hundred dollars, which I can now put back into my business. Don't fall for the subscription scam. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash dreamjob. Go right now, truebill.com slash dreamjob. It could save you hundreds a year. Truebill.com slash dreamjob. In Uncommon Ground with Van Jones, a new Amazon original podcast, Van explores topics that impact us all from climate change to racial inequality, the state of our democracy to quality education access for all. As a news commentator, Van Jones hears opinions from across the political spectrum and knows how difficult it can be to find that common ground. So in this new show, he talks to thought leaders about how to join hands in the pursuit of unity and building bridges to bring people together. He has an amazing episode with Deepak Chopra on finding forgiveness, and I know a lot of you are big fans of Deepak. You're definitely going to want to listen to that conversation. I love that this podcast is striving to create some unity in a very divided world, and it shines a light on important issues that affect everyone. I think it's so important that we all hear from every side of the spectrum, so I do appreciate that Van is sharing these different perspectives with all of us. Listen to Uncommon Ground on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You talk about some awesome topics in this book, like how to create a map to your ideal future. How do you help people do that? I feel like one thing I heard Oprah say once is that the hardest question to answer sometimes is what do you want? Mm -hmm. And I think it's because people get into like, right away, it's like, well, that's not really possible or that, oh yeah, you know, isn't something I could achieve. I'm not good enough. I'm not there enough. I'm not smart enough, tall enough, young enough, whatever it is. So how do we actually create a map to our ideal future? How do we actually let ourselves even do that? How do we let ourselves dream? I think that's, that's really it, right? We, we look for the problems before we see the possibilities and we fixate on the problems and we forget that those possibilities were always there. And that's one of the reasons why I really feel strongly about starting with reflection, looking backwards so then we can look forward. I think if we go back to before we started adulting, I think when we start adulting, suddenly we start cramming ourselves inside tight little boxes and we start telling ourselves that things are not possible. When we were children, when we were young, anything was possible. Let me rephrase that. Everything was possible everything was possible. And so we had this like beautiful, limitless vision of what the world looked like. So I really like to tell people like, let's go all the way back to when you were a kid. What were the things that you loved? What were the things you were passionate about? What were the things that that really got you fired up when you were growing up? What were the things that you look forward to with anticipation? Was it, you know, playing video games or playing tag with your friends, or maybe it was something like softball. Okay. If it's softball, you're thinking, okay, well, my purpose is not tied to softball, but let's ask that question. Why? Reflection asks why. Why did I love softball? Was it the teamwork? Was it the collaboration? Was it being outside? Was it moving your body? Start digging into why you love the things you did. And then two, even thinking about why did you want to be the things you wanted to be when you grew up? You wanted to be president? You thought, absolutely, I'll be president. I'll be a professional athlete. I will be an Olympian. I will be Wonder Woman. Okay, why did you want to be Wonder Woman? Was it because she stood for truth and justice? Was it because she found truth in ways that other people couldn't? Is it because she inspired a generation of young girls? Start asking those questions why. And a lot of times that vision that we have for the future is tied to those 
beautiful little seeds that we had as children when anything was possible. And we can build off of that when we reignite what we loved before. Yeah. So I think that's one of the first ways we can start to see our future. There's several other ways we get into in the book, but it's really letting go of what's possible. Stop letting reality grab you by the ankles and keep you tethered to the ground. Yeah. That's similar to when I had Gretchen Rubin on, she was like one of my first guests five years ago. And I asked her how, how can people be happier? And she said, you know, there's such low hanging fruit. Like she was reminding Mm -hmm. me how, when she talks to people, they tell her things that they love to do when they were a kid. And she says, great. So you just said that you loved reading like Anne of Green Gables, or you just told me you love to practice the cello, or you just told me that you love playing basketball. When was the last time you did those things? And people are like, oh, I don't do that. And she yeah, says, oh, no, great. So don't you see if you just did the things that you liked a little more, maybe you'd uncover why you like them. Maybe you would get led to something else, but you're just like, mm-hmm. yes, this is what I love. No, I don't do that. So you know how Gretchen Rubin started? She started by asking herself the questions you just asked, which led her to her. I did love reading literature like Anne of Green Gables. And her first thing was she started to just celebrate children's literature and see if there was other people who love those kinds of like young adult classic novels. And she started a little group with her friends and like, what do you know, by doing something she liked, it led her to something else, which was like, Oh, I do have this muscle inside me that knows how to like things. I just stopped listening to my, my intuition around that. I stopped even giving Mm -hmm. myself, I think it goes back to your productivity stance, which is we are so hard wired and hell bent on being productive that this idea of like, what would give me joy today? Oh, it's not on the table to be asked. No, I think we think of things like happiness as this soft thing. That's like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that silliness. I have work to get done. Right. right? right. I don't have time for happiness because I'm too busy living well, what are you living for? I mean, honestly, if you think of any goal, any dream, any aspiration, it is tied to happiness. Why do you want to lose the 15 pounds? Because you want to be happier in your jeans. Why do you want to cross the, you know, why do you want to run a marathon? The happiness of crossing the finish line. So one of the big things that I'm really on a big mission for is to redefine what productivity means. Productivity is not about doing more. It is doing what is most important. When we do the things that are most important to us, first of all, we go to bed at night with that feeling of satisfaction, but we become happier. Yeah. Why are we waiting for this like magical moment where the clouds part and rainbows shoot out of the sky where suddenly we can be happy? When I retire, then I can be happy. No, you can be happy today. There is happiness. There is joy in the cracks and crevices of our everyday life of walking down the stairs slowly with your child, of looking at the moon. There is joy inside every single day, but we have to choose to see it. We have to choose that productivity is about doing what's most important. What's most important is spending time with your daughter. Yeah. And there's so much joy in that, right? Yeah. When I was um, in my late twenties, I took a bunch of classes at UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center. And I remember the study that they shared with us about how people will attach their happiness to achievement outcomes. And Mm -hmm. there was all of these incredible examples of people who would win the Oscar and then really feel depressed the next day, or people who would achieve a certain amount of financial success 
and not feel what they expected to feel because they had tied their well being to an outcome, to an achievement, when what they really wanted all along was to feel this sense of peace and well being, yeah. which isn't tied to how much of an achievement you made. And, and that's what you're saying. And that's why when I bought your first book, The Joy of Missing Out, I was like, oh my God, I love the joy of missing out. The joy of saying, you know what? I'm just going to say no to that meeting. I'm going to say mm-hmm. no. And one of my friends, Susie Moore, she's like, I just love to keep my calendar like open. Then I can spontaneously like take a walk on the beach or go have a quick lunch with a girlfriend. And I'm always thinking, are we allowed to do that? Can like, we do that? Yes. Yeah. But who's going to give you permission? This is the thing is we're waiting for permission from, from who, from what does the universe need to come down and give you a pink permission slip and say, yes, you can be absent from work today. We get to choose that for ourselves, but there's this unsettling feeling. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when we have 15, 20 minutes in our day where nothing is scheduled and you're almost unsettled, like, Whoa, okay. What, what did I do wrong? Something must be wrong. Like, why is there Yeah. Instead of just saying, wow, I got 20 minutes. What a gift. Let me just, let me read a book. Let me sit outside and sip a cup of coffee and just enjoy the view or let me paint my nails or do anything. Let me just breathe in and out for 20 minutes and just enjoy the the beauty of being alive. But we're so busy racing and rushing from one thing to the next that we're missing all of that because we think we have to fill our calendar. That was one of the things that as I was doing my interviews for the joy of missing out, I started asking this question, which is funny because then it came around and on purpose, you're filling your calendar, but are you filling your soul? That's the big question. We cram our calendar so full, but we forget to, to cram our soul full of things that bring so much joy and happiness. Because again, that's a soft thing. It's not, oh, that's silly to really focus in on happiness and joy when when you're happy, aren't you the, a better wife, a better mother? I, I know I have more patience. I stop snapping at people. I just, I'm a better human when I take care of myself. And I think so often we think of that as being so selfish when in reality, taking care of yourself means I can take care of everybody else around me. I can make the impact in the world that I was designed to make. And I think the thing that's really, it's fascinating. I talk about this in the book is that you have the ability as a regular everyday person to impact the lives of 80,000 people. And I know that seems like a crazy number, but you are alive on average for about 73.3 years. You meet on average about three new people a day from, you know, the grocery clerk checking out with the milk to your neighbor across the street to the kids, you know, parents at the soccer game, some days more, some days less, but an average of three, 365 days in a year times 73.3 years three new people a day, that's 80,000 people that you will impact, that you will come into contact with in your lifetime. You have an opportunity to impact their lives for good or for the negative, right? That's ultimately your choice. And when you lean into your gifts, you're able to really impact them in a powerful way. So stop feeling like it's selfish to lean into what you love. Stop feeling like it's selfish to take care of your needs so that then you can take care of everybody else. That's so powerful. And and I was just thinking with social media, you connect with like, I don't know, a thousand times that, right? Because how many people see yes. this or this or that? And mm-hmm. it's not three a day. It could be 300. It could be 3000, right? 
So it's, right. it's, it's really powerful what you just said. Okay. Before we start wrapping this up, I want to thank our sponsor. Whenever I get in my own way, I find it helpful to talk to someone who can look at my situation more objectively. That's why I'm glad that there are services like BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can conveniently connect in a safe and private online environment and start communicating in under 48 hours, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide, and their licensed professional counselors specialize in things like depression, anxiety, sleep, stress, relationships, trauma, grief, and self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential and you're going to get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and send a message to your counselor at any time. I've been in therapy off and on since I was about 15 and it's always been a good resource when I need to process difficult emotions or get out of that feeling of being stuck. And I know traditional offline counseling can be really expensive, so I love that BetterHelp is making this more accessible and affordable. They even have financial aid available if you need it. Start living a happier life today. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com slash dreamjob for 10% off your first month. Thanks, BetterHelp. Speaking of powerful, you also say a lot of things on your podcast, the Intentional Advantage podcast. This podcast, as you say, helps you rethink busy and reclaim your time full of productivity tips that you can use right away to step confidently into intentional leadership at work and in your personal life. And you've had a bunch of people who've been on this show, Patrice Washington, who's a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. Donald Miller, Ali Kazaza, Greg McEwen, who was just on this week, Gay Hendricks. What do you love about this podcast for your listeners? What do you feel like this podcast helps your listeners to, to do differently? Mm. Well, I help. my goal is to help them rethink busy to reframe how they look at their days. Um, and I'm really intentional. Thus the name, (laughs) everything I do, I feel like is really intentional. I'm really intentional in that I curate seasons where we cover a topic and we cover it from start to finish. And I really am intentional with the guests that I bring on and that it all weaves together. I used to be a teacher. So I look at my podcast seasons as like a curriculum. It's almost like getting a free course for me every time you listen, because it builds one after the next. And so I have callbacks to others, you know, other episodes. So it all weaves together with the ultimate goal of you have the ability to choose you have the ability to reclaim your time. Nobody else does. Let's reframe the way that you think and the way that you look at your opportunities. That's really what I'm looking for when people listen to the podcast. That's fantastic. I'm that's such a generous thing that you set it up like a curriculum. You guys should all be subscribing to Tanya's podcast. What do you think is the biggest struggle that your listeners have? Mm, That's a good question. I think, you know, I have a whole season where we talked about turning stumbling blocks into starting blocks, because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot I of things that. That, that hold us back, right? Um, imposter syndrome, comparisonism, perfectionism, all the isms, <laughs> apparently. All of them. Um, all all the isms, where it's just like, you know, we forget who we are deep down. And, and this is one of the things that I love about using that reflection to dive into who you really are. We're so busy looking around at what everybody else is doing. We don't feel like we are enough. We don't do enough. We're not smart enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not good enough. And there's a lot of pressure on us to do all the things and to do them all well. And I think that that pressure is really one of the things that I see from a lot of women. I like to say that the goal of my podcast is really to help women step confidently into intentional leadership. Whether that leadership is at your business, with your company, or, you know, at the local PTA, 
or in your community or even in your own home, we have an opportunity to lead. And as women, we have an opportunity to role model for our daughters what a woman is capable of. And we have the ability to role model for our sons what a woman is capable of. And I think that's really important to realize and recognize that we are changing history. Those old outdated models of how things used to be done or how we did things in the past are all shifting. So stepping into intentional leadership means that you are at the forefront of this, really stepping into who you are authentically, wholly, completely into what it is you were designed to do. And I think that ultimately that's, that's what I want women to do. Yeah, that's amazing. I feel like the biggest thing that comes up and I'm curious how you handle this is imposter syndrome. You know, I feel Mm -hmm. like people will listen to you. They'll read the books and they'll be like, this makes so much sense. And I get this and I want to prioritize differently. And I, I'm gonna, you know, be more intentional. And then the taking the first step or even the 12th step or the 19th step, whatever it is, people just feel like, oh, this isn't going to be right. It's not perfect. I don't want to put this out there. What if this doesn't land? What if people think I'm ridiculous? And so I just find that often it's not really a business problem. It's a courage problem. It's 99% in between your years. It's a mindset. 99% of our issues are really in, inside our heads. So right? what do you say um, to them when they feel that imposter syndrome, that perfectionism, and it's just like so scary and they just want them more information before they do the next thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you say to them? Yeah. We're waiting, waiting for permission, waiting for motivation from some magical thing outside of us, right? Waiting for knowledge. And we're waiting instead of choosing to take action. Honestly, I think we get really caught up and we think it has to be these giant steps, these big leaps, which tend to overwhelm us and scare us to death if we're totally being honest. And we undervalue the tiny steps, the small steps, the daily steps that really matter more than the big ones. I think that, you know, and this is one of the things I talk about in the introduction, we will spend 20 years trying to create like a jet pack to zoom across this giant chasm of where we are now to where we want to be. We'll spend 20 years building this jet pack so we can zoom across when we could have gotten there in just a matter of days, simply by putting one foot in front of the other, going down the trails over to the other side and back up the other side of the Canyon. It's the tiny steps. It's the small steps. And there is so much fear of failure. There's so much fear of doing it wrong And the truth is, if you're not failing, you are failing. If you're not occasionally putting your neck out there and risking it all, if you're not trying new things, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to grow. You're staying so comfortable in your sweatpants and Netflix life in your comfort zone, right? When really stretching out of that means there's going to be failures. So if we just started approaching life as, you know, we want to say that we don't want to fail. What if we were like, you know what? This is a great opportunity to try. And if I fail, it's okay. To accept a certain level of failure, I think would be incredible. When you look at something like the uh, Disney Imagineers, Mm -hmm. they not only anticipate, but they desire at least a 40% failure rate. If they are not getting at least a 40% failure rate, They're like, we're not pushing the boundaries enough. What if we adopted that for ourselves, that I should be failing at least 40% of the time? 
it's amazing, right? I mean, talk about permission. We don't need permission from me or you or anybody else out there. Just give yourself permission to go out there and to be perfectly imperfect. Because the truth is we are beautifully made as humans who are designed to make mistakes. And the best lessons, the things that we get the most knowledge out of are truly the failures. You know, I equate it to, you know, we have a backpack on our back. We all have a backpack where we're just like accumulating knowledge and experiences and all these things that we get. And a lot of them is from failure. Those are our best lessons. Those are our biggest lessons, the ones we remember. We forget that backpack is there because it's behind us. So taking off the backpack, unzipping it, putting it in front of us, unpacking it and looking at, wow, look at all these things that I know. Look at all this information I have. Look at all these experiences. That builds incredible momentum. Talk about giving yourself that ability to look at yourself and go, I really am an expert in a lot of things. We think we're an expert in nothing. And the truth is you're an expert in a lot of things. Just take off the backpack and take a good look. That's what reflection does for you. Oh, I love that. You don't see it because it's behind you and you can unpack it. That's mm-hmm. so good. That's so juicy. Wow. I was going to ask you if you have an example of a story, one person who comes to mind, who is a student of yours, somebody who you've watched sort of go from this place where everything felt really unproductive and also not very mm-hmm. fulfilling and then got to the other side, just to give an example of what that actually oh, yeah. looks like. Yeah. Oh gosh. I had to think about what, what's a good one to, to share. I mean, this is what I think is amazing is, is as I said earlier, I think 99% of life is truly your mindset. It really is how you choose to think about things. And, um, you know, I had this, this one student who really felt like going after her dreams was incredibly selfish, that it wasn't okay. And that she needed to give and give and give to everybody else. And so she kept putting her own dreams on hold time and time again, and exhausted every day because she was doing everything for everyone, chasing busy, doing all the things. And so we really worked on, first of all, reframing that idea of of what selfish is, right? What does it mean to be selfish? Because keeping your gifts from other people, that is selfish, If we're being totally honest here, you not sharing your beautiful gifts with the world, that is you being selfish. And when we started talking about that way, she was like, hold on a minute, because none of us like to be called selfish, but she especially (laughs) didn't like that. And then it was, okay, you're running here and there with your kids and you're taking them to all these activities. Have you sat down and had a conversation with your children about what it is they want to do? Do they even want to go to all these activities that you're resenting? that time in the car, are they really wanting to go? And so she sat down with her children and they had a conversation about what is it you want to do and come to find out they weren't really excited about those Mm -hmm. things either. She was doing it because all the other moms were doing it. Well, these moms are doing, you know, language lessons and violin and soccer and all these things. And we're doing these things for all these outside accolades. So when she really got to the heart of it, of it's not about doing more, it's doing what is most important. Her kids were like, these are the things we really want to do. And there was like two. She was like, whoa, afternoons just opened up. I think a lot of what we really want is on the other side of a really difficult two-minute conversation, Mm. asking people what they want, asking people what they think. And even her having a conversation with her husband where it was like, you know, she didn't think that he was going to be supportive of her going after this dream. And I said, have you had a conversation with your husband about it? 
well, no, no, I just feel like that might be too much. And I was like, sit down and just see what he thinks. Sat down with her husband and he's like, you should totally do this. I think this is amazing. I can pick up the kids and do these things for you. And that's awesome. It became a true partnership. But a lot of it comes down to what we're thinking and how we're projecting what we think other people believe or think about us onto ourselves, even when it's not true. And so there she was about a year later going after her big goals and dreams, you know, opening her business, which was wildly successful. And it, it was an amazing experience to watch her go from feeling like she couldn't make an impact, couldn't make a difference to absolutely doing that in real time. Incredible. That's such a great yeah. story. And I love that, that thing you just said about how often it's just like not being willing to have these like brave two minute conversations could change everything. So good. So tell us where we can buy the new book. Tell us where we can find the podcast and your other book, The Joy of Missing Out. Yeah. So the best place to find me and connect with me is tanyadalton.com. You can find links to my podcast, The Intentional Advantage there. Uh, You can also, of course, listen anywhere. Podcasts can be listened to just about everywhere nowadays. Uh, You can also find links to my books at tanyadalton.com, The Joy of Missing Out and On Purpose. Those are both also available pretty much anywhere books are sold. So um, online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, target.com, books a million, all those places. I like to say that those two books don't have to be read together, but they're like peanut butter and chocolate, both really good and delicious on their own, but together they really are incredible. So tanyadalton.com. I totally agree. I'm so happy for you and excited for you. Thank you so much for all of this juiciness and congrats on your new book. It's going to be so successful. Thank you so much. I'm just so excited to get it out into the world. Oh, it's going to be out in the world in a big way. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you for today. This was wonderful. I'm so glad you made the time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. That was so fun. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, center in on your North Star, your mission, your core values. Number two, the vision for the future is tied to those beautiful little seeds we had as children when everything was possible. Number three, productivity isn't about doing more. It's about doing what is most important to us. Number four, there is joy hidden inside every single day, but we have to choose to see it. Number five, instead of filling your calendar, fill your soul. When you're happy and you're taking care of yourself, you show up as a better human being. It's not selfish to lean into what you love. Number six, you're at the forefront. Step into intentional leadership. Step into who you are. Step authentically and completely into what you were designed to do. Number seven, if you're not failing, putting yourself out there and risking it all, then you are failing. You're not giving yourself an opportunity to grow and learn. Give yourself permission to go out there and be perfectly imperfect. And number eight, we forget that our backpack of experiences and knowledge is there because it's behind us. Unzip it and take a look at all the lessons that you've accumulated. You really are an expert in a lot of things. All right, I want to share a win from some of our alumni. So Sue said, three weeks ago, I filed my LLC. Two weeks ago, I opened my business bank account. This week, I launched my website to my personal Facebook and Instagram accounts. The first day, I sold three 16-day walking trips on the French portion of Camino de Santiago. Thank you, Kathy, and the Made to Do This program for changing my life. One year ago, if you told me that I would have a website and LLC, I wouldn't have thought it would be possible. My dreams are coming true. Ah, Sue, this is so good. You should be so proud of yourself. It's incredible how much momentum you can build in just a few weeks when you take one step at a time. I can't wait to see what other things are going to be popping up for you. So many opportunities that you're creating. So please keep us posted. Let's all give Sue some love. Her website is womenwhowalktheworld.com. 
Thank you so much for listening to this show. Thank you for being here. I know that you are just so busy and it means so much that you spend your time here. We have so many good episodes coming up in the pipeline. So make sure that you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify or wherever you listen. Rachel Ray is going to be on soon. So many good people. So definitely subscribe so you don't miss it. And if you want to join me for the Happiness Habit Workshop, go to kathyheller.com slash happy. I'll leave you with a song of mine. Have an amazing weekend. I'll talk to you Monday. Fresh coat of paint, change my scenery. Wake up in the morning and choose to be bright.